0: Uh, pray with me this morning god we come before your presence uh, with thanksgiving uh for this day and god we ask that you would speak to us through your word in your name we pray amen i want you to know something about me uh this is um uh this uh is something that i'm very proud about myself uh i um Before I buy something, I spend a lot of time uh, doing some research um, around the issue that I'm about to buy. For example, I think about the long-term impacts of this purchase, uh, and then as I'm thinking about it, automatically uh, I tend to develop an Excel spreadsheet uh, where I start to compare prices as to who's giving the best prices. While I'm doing that, I end up uh, reading about 50 reviews on this one product uh, because you know, you have to be very informed before you spend fifteen dollars. Um, so, so that's something that I've done over and over again. Um, in other words, I'm very cheap. Okay. So yeah, uh, drives Kristen nuts. But you know, that's uh, we've been married for fifteen years. She's put up with me. Yeah. Yay! Clap for her, please. Thank, okay. thank you. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I digress. So, um, <clears throat> so I do this, I do this all the time. It drives my loved ones crazy. Um, so about, uh, the fall of 2018, um, I decided to kind of make our yard look uh, prettier than it, than it is. So I went out and, uh, did some research. I read some books about, uh, which grass seed to plant in Southeastern Pennsylvania. Do you know there are books about that? All right. Okay. Good. I'm glad you guys know that. So, and the best time to throw some grass seed down, uh, is mid October. I know it's as, uh, the weather's a little bit more warmer. It kind of gives it a nice uh, touch and anyway. So I won't go into those details. Mid October. That's all you need to know. So mid October came and I was ready. I bought two 50 pound bags, uh, to make our lawn look pretty. Uh, and uh, I was very excited about it, but as I was about to put the grass seed down, it was a very wet, fall that fall and I just didn't have the heart like I didn't want to put all the seed down and only for it to be washed out so I said you know what I'm gonna hang on to it and then I got busier and busier and things happened and life happened and now it was December and it didn't do anything about it It was still sitting in the garage Um, so I said you know what I'm gonna do it early March uh, early spring early spring is a good time for you to do if you've missed the fall and early spring was pretty bad too it was very very wet And I kinda gone through the whole thing and then finally the day arrived. It was 2019, Easter Monday, the weather looked perfect. I didn't wanna do it before because I would look if there was any rain three days out, I didn't wanna put it down because I felt like I would waste all my investment away. I'll throw that away. So Easter Monday, 2019, I got to work in the yard. It was a beautiful day, I can still clearly remember it. I worked, and every day after that, I would go, turn on my sprinklers, make sure the yard looked pretty, and all that. I did all that work, and I had this look on my face that said to Kristen, look, my obsession finally paid off. And Kristen gave me that look saying, I don't care. (laughs) So anyway, I was very proud. (laughs) I was very proud about how I managed my investment. And then every day after that, I would go take care of the lawn, and everything was was looking pretty good. Then exactly a month later, I got a call from my district superintendent, who said, Hey, I'd like to make an invitation for you. The invitation is, can you move from Coatesville and live in Aston uh, for the foreseeable future? I said, What? I just put down 100 pounds of grass seed down. What are you talking about? And that happened. And I couldn't even enjoy all the labor that I did. See, when I think about that experience that I had, I think about this parable that was read to us uh, by Justin this morning. It was about doing something and not being able to really enjoy the fruits of your labor. And I want to read this parable with you uh, a little carefully so that the spirit of God can lead us and guide us so that we can have a different and a newer understanding of our worldly possessions about money and our wealth. Uh, So the parable starts out with uh, a person from the crowd wanting to help Jesus help with a family dispute. It was about money. It was about money. There was two brothers fighting over inheritance and they wanted Jesus to come and solve uh, this fight that they were having. But actually, if you read Numbers 26 uh, verses 54 and 56 or Numbers 27 verses 7 through 11, those sections give very clear and distinct instructions as to what one needs to do if they inherit property. So this guy was coming to Jesus, in my opinion, I think it's because he didn't like what was written in the Old Testament. So he was wondering if Jesus kind of can rule differently. And uh, so Jesus evades that question. He walks away from that and makes this big declaration. He says, be on guard. Watch out. Be on guard. Watch out. Now, have you ever heard those words someone tell to you? Be on guard, watch out. I remember as a kid hearing those words from my dad and it was specifically about when you're crossing the road. Be on guard, look out, watch out. There are other cars coming your way and be on guard. And I, when I became a dad and my kids started on the roads, I, still my kids, even to this day, be on guard, watch out, look out, there's a car coming. You have gotta be careful. Because the cars are going to be coming. It's you that has to be careful. Not the car. Because if you're not on guard, the car is going to run over you. And Jesus here is kind of making the similar argument for us, friends. He's saying be on guard because the car called greed is coming around the corner. And if you're not on guard, you're going to be run over by it. Be on guard. And then this is what Jesus uh, tells us. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Please take some time to memorize this verse. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I love saying that over and over again so that it just kind of seeps into my soul. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus is telling us to be on guard. So the greed the car called greed doesn't run over us because life is more than the abundance of possessions so if you're reading this parable along with me in verse 16 uh, there is this um, statement that is made by jesus i feel like this is a very uh there's a lot of irony uh in this statement this is what we read in verse 16 and he told them this parable the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest let me repeat that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest the rich man did not bring forth this abundant harvest it was the ground that did the work the rich man did not cause the rain to fall on the ground so that he can have a yield, a plentiful harvest. There were a lot of things that were outside this individual's control that led to a good crop. At the same time, I want to be clear and note a few things about uh, that is obvious in this parable. I don't want us to assume that this uh, farmer was in any way a wicked man, for there nowhere in the Bible does it mention anything about his character. The parable does not uh, say that this individual made a lot of money because he cheated his laborers so that he can gain wealth. It doesn't say that. The parable does not portray any negative qualities on this rich man that was there. But at the same time, we can be an actually an advocate for this farmer if you will we can be an advocate for him and say and not judge this poor soul because farming is a lot of hard work you know farming takes a lot of patience and a lot of hard work you need to plow the land it is a lot of work you need to plant the seeds you need to take care of it you need to water it you need to make sure that the wildlife is kept away from it you need the right amount of people that you need to go out and hire so that they can do the harvest. And actually, when you read the scriptures, this guy is actually surprised that he got a lot of food, a lot of harvest. He's, he didn't anticipate a bounty, a plentiful harvest. It just so happened. Then the question then that we need to wrestle with this morning, why does God call him a fool? God said to him verse 20 you fool like last week we talked about who our god is we said that we talked about that we worship a god who is good who is loving everything that is good in this world comes from our god like that is what we talked about last week but why does our god who is good and loving call this farmer a fool in fact we've not seen any negative descriptions about him in the entire parable david lewis who's a a president uh, at uh, lutheran theological seminary here in philadelphia um, he says that this farmer worshiped the ungodly trinity i me myself just hear this internal dialogue as this farmer processes or thinks about what he had just receive verse 18 this is the farmer talking to himself hear these words then he said this is what I'll do I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and then then I will store my surplus grain and I will say to myself you have plenty of grain laid up for many years Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This is what I'll do, the farmer saying. I will tear down. I will build. I will store. I will say to myself, you have plenty. I will tell tell myself, take life easy. I will eat. I will drink. I will be merry. This farmer is obsessed with himself. It is all about him. He does not take a minute to think about his neighbor, those who might be in need, those who have helped him in order for him to have a harvest. The self-talk language is all filled with I statements. Another mistake I think this farmer makes is he bets about the future based on his current accomplishments or wealth. In verse 19, We read, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He thinks that his current wealth is going to save him in the future. See, when God sees this arrogance, God simply notes, you fool. He's forgetting that life is extremely fragile. It is but by the grace of God that you and I are able to breathe today. It is but by the grace of God that we have woken up to see a new day. Friends, I hope you know that life is fragile. Everything that we seem to be permanent is no longer permanent. The season has taught us that. We are in that season. In one moment, the direction of our life can change. See, let me state the obvious. We have no clue what the future holds for us. All things that were dear and we felt were permanent in the months of January, February, March are no longer dear or permanent. The way you and I function, the way we operate as a society has completely changed this year. One day we all went to bed, we slept, we woke up another day to a completely different world let me say this very clearly and boldly. And we don't know what the future holds as I speak today. So what does this mean for us? Based on the scriptures, are we not to save for retirement? Are we not supposed to save for the future? I I, I have a retirement account and Chris and I faithfully uh, saved towards it. I don't think God is speaking against saving for the future or retirement. There are plenty of uh, biblical scriptures that speak to that, that being prepared for the future as Christians. I believe that Jesus is talking about our attitude towards wealth and money. And the beauty of this is no one can see your attitude towards wealth and money. Only you can see it. Let me repeat that. No one can see how you view wealth and money. Only you can see that. And Jesus, I think, is speaking to that attitude as to how our attitudes need to be towards money and possessions. Are you trusting God with your wealth? Are you trusting God that your future is secure because you believe in a living God? See, when we sit down, and we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Are we truly trusting God as a source of that bread that's on our table? Sure, you worked hard, you got your paycheck, you went to the grocery store and you bought food. You bring that food home and you paid your, your gas and electric bill that allowed you to cook that meal. And you saved some money to buy that dining room table. And you're sitting and you're about to eat that meal. All that is true, but at the source of it, at the end of it, can we say the reason we are able to eat is because God is the source of all our blessings. So when we pray and we break bread and we say, give us this day our daily bread, we are no longer saying those words out of mere obligation before we eat a meal, but rather we are saying that we give thanks to God for all that we have. Another thing that I believe God is challenging us to do is how we view our possessions. Jesus begins the parable by talking about possession. Jesus is saying life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Many times we believe that we'll be satisfied or happy if we possess something. When I have this thing in my life, I will be complete. We think that possessions, earthly possessions, can solve our challenges. And I want you to pause and think if you've ever said that. Things will be much better if only I had, fill in the blanks, the next promotion, a few more dollars in the bank. If only I had the next toy that I would love to have, a PlayStation or a new car, or a house. Whatever it is, the trouble with having that approach towards wealth and possessions is when you do get that new promotion, when you do get that extra money, when you do find that toy, something is still missing because life is more than the abundance of possession. Jesus is clearly telling us to do two things when it comes to money he's telling us that we need to be aware how fragile life is and we have no clue about our future god alone knows the future and we need to believe this that god will guide and sustain us in the days to come for god alone is the source of all financial blessings and jesus is telling us that we should not be caught up in earthly possessions Many times we think having stuff will give us joy or make us complete. That is not true. Jesus clearly states life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So finally, what are we to call called to do? How do we guard ourselves against greed in our life? I believe we can guard against greed by practicing generosity, by giving. What we can to the ministries of the church. This is part of our Christian discipleship. Later in Luke chapter 12. Jesus uh, gives us two options. When it comes to wealth. And attaining wealth. He says you can attain earthly wealth. Where there is a thief and a moth. That can destroy it. Or you can attain heavenly wealth. And the challenge for us. Is which wealth are you going to pursue? You can pursue heavenly wealth by practicing generosity. You can pursue worldly wealth by filling your life with stuff and being overtaken by greed for money. Because Jesus later says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, this morning, I want to urge you, let's not be like the rich farmer that Jesus called a fool. For he thought he was the source of all that he had. Never did once did he give credit to God. He forgot that life is fragile and the future is unknown. And most importantly, he did not practice generosity. This morning, I want you to consider practicing generosity. Giving to God as a token of our gratitude. Knowing and believing that all that we have is from Him. Amen.